Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. Happy Saturday matinee, gentlemen. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Bienvenidos. Listen to all the voices we have here. This is the biggest sat mat we've had yet. We've got a Tommy whoop, Handsome whoop. is on. Sat mat. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> you need a sat mat song when you join us. 
Sad Matt, let's do this. <laughs> that's pretty good, right? Uh, that's really good. Uh, Steve, hey, wow. uh, glad you're back. Uh, are you okay? Uh, it's Did good you, everything to be back. okay? Oh. Yeah, I was back last week. You, I, were, you, you were, were gone. gone. No, no, no. Yeah, you I, were gone. I've been... And and therefore you get when I'm not there, it's like the world doesn't exist. Oh, it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, okay. it's like I'm like a child that way. I'm, you got, no, I no, am, no object permanence. I if I haven't so, talked with you, it didn't happen. Okay. I am a peak, no. It's <laughs> I'm a, a hot peekaboo target. Let's just say that. No, uh, it's good to be back. Uh, it is. It's good to have you, and Andy. Of course. Uh, what are you? What's your? What's new in your movie life? I, you're trying to get through the movie for this week. I yes, I I've been uh, cranking through. Uh, like you pointed out, Netflix has the uh, Dragon Tattoo. I like how they call it the Dragon Tattoo trilogy, mm-hmm. uh, but the extended editions. So I'm I'm uh, part way through part one of part two. <laughs> if that makes sense to people, <laughs> you mean episode three? <laughs> yeah, yeah, episode yes, three. Episode yes. three. Yes. That's extended right. Extended edition okay. episode three. Yeah, okay. Exactly. It's- exactly. And then. And my whole family is down with uh, strep, so I'm just sitting here trying to avoid it. By, oh, uh, no. I'm no, filling myself worst. with alcohol. That's a, <laughs> that's that's, a bold thing to do should, on a Saturday morning, it, Andy. I, I feel like that just uh, dated us a little bit. We should tell the truth. We don't, <laughs> yeah, dr- we don't start drinking that early. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> Uh, as it as it happens, uh, it's, uh, it's my fault. I we need to record this. We're recording this on a Friday night. I am coming to you from Seattle, Seattle, uh, at uh, the twenty sixth floor of the Sheraton Whoa. Seattle uh, oh. for for PodCon, the inaugural uh, PodCon. So when this goes live, uh, if if any of our Patreon supporters are actually at PodCon, look me up. You know what sucks though, is that and- Andy uh, is making a joke about being drunk on a Friday night because he has kids. I'm just drunk. <laughs> is that weird? I don't have kids. I'm just living the Tommy life. Tommy Hansen for the win. Let's do this. Woo! I like the assumption there that oh he has kids. That means he's home, not drunk on a Friday night. <laughs> I guess. Which actually was true, but... What's going on in your uh, in your movie life? Has anybody seen anything good? You know what I think is important? Hmm. This, is, uh, this, is, this is not in my movie life in particular, but I think it's very important to note that finally, people who want to go see Coco, but have been afraid of having to sit through the abominable 30-minute oh. <gasps> Olaf's Frozen adventure can now see it this weekend. They did? They got rid they, of it? They, they're removing it. Uh, or they, my understanding is this weekend it's finally been removed, and now you can watch Coco Sands uh, that uh, that little shop of horrors that it was. Did did they make a statement? No, they just said it was just for a limited time. You know it's that sort of thing. Like it was a limited. It was a limited experience. Catch it before it's gone. Uh huh. Did know, you that, actually? That, they, they did you guys see way. the actual short? Oh, I did. Yeah, you did. So, was the problem that it was bad, or the problem that it was long? I haven't seen it yet. I assume if you had gone, if it was, if it was of the quality that it is, um, and it was only like a five minute short, it would have been completely tolerable. Because I've there have been some not so great shorts on some of the Pixar and Disney. Those volcanoes talking to each other. Yeah, there there are some. Whichever one that one was. You be careful. You be careful. Stay in your lane, Tommy. 
<laughs> there are some that just don't work very well, but they're short. And so you can go, okay, well, at least it's over, and now I can get onto the movie. This was a, f- a full-length, uh, like, a TV Christmas special is what it was. Because it was, so it was basically be, like right? twenty. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So okay. it was like 23 minutes long, and it's like even my kids were like, when is this going to be over? <laughs> that's so, yeah. It that's was, so – that seems like such short sighting for a kid's movie. For uh, family yeah, yeah. and Terrible. kids, with because Coco isn't short. Coco is what, like no. an hour forty-five, maybe hour thirty at at least, something so, like that. And yeah, and they can so, fit an entire extra screening of Coco in now just because they've cut the thing off. Well, it was <laughs> so, it was it was made for TV, and then they decided to not air it on TV for some reason. So let's just drop it in front of a movie. Yeah, why not? Do you think I'm they just were wondering if there was about- a short that they. I'm wondering if there was a short that they had made that didn't end up working, and they're like, "Oh, this isn't going to work. We don't have anything that that, that we can so, use. Oh, we'll have to use this and just throw it through it on there." Or conspiracy know. theory? Do you think that they were worried that Coco might be a little bit more polarizing audience-wise? A, it's oh, a boy. A, it's yeah. a boy instead of a princess, and B, it's a different culture than maybe has some. I don't know what I'm talking about. But oh I no, just no, to throw that yeah, on. No, there. That's that's a good point. Hey, let's get the white kids in because they want to see Olaf, and then they'll have to sit there to watch the movie about a foreign culture. That's what I'm well, wondering. But it's not is like what they're it's thinking. It's not like was. they were marketing the Olaf short, though. It's not like I didn't see any marketing of like I, I never see marketing as to what the short is. Oh, oh that's a good so. point. I thought there had been some like, hey, Olaf's frozen adventure or whatever stuff that was. I, I thought I'd yeah. seen a couple things, but there's yeah. been there have been some know. other short yeah. Olaf's things. There was another frozen short. Oh, maybe that's oh, what I'm okay. thinking of. Oh, yeah. maybe yeah. Well, this is you're right, Andy. This is a red letter day, a day to celebrate, a day I hope people are able to go out in the streets and and uh, and organize. <laughs> <laughs> it's those two. Th- it's it's net it's net neutrality and cocoa. There's nothing else going on in the world. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> See what they didn't. T- they didn't tell you they're they're moving Coco in front of the disaster artist so that you get to see something that you know another horrible film you know in the making. Of it. <laughs> there, oh. it, actually, that I I think Olaf's Ferguson Adventure has been pulled so they can just put it before the evening news in Los Angeles. Oh, uh, Tommy, yeah. is the is has the world uh, on fire actually reached your doorstep? Uh, it's. I, I in no way can I ever compare my situation to what's been going on for so many hundreds and hundreds of families. Yeah. Um yeah. I know that I can talk for myself that uh, I've been on um light what it's called is light evacuation watch which just means get ready to go if there's an alert. For the past three days, I have two go bags. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is Foster. <laughs> I put my puppy Foster in a bag. It seems weird. <laughs> I could just have him like be there, but that'd be a good call. Uh, my entire apartment smells like a campfire. Yeah. All of my, like, you just sort of live with smoke and ash all the time. Um, and I'm where I currently am in Sherman Oaks is just it's a little bit caught in between uh, a couple different fires. But again, I can't really complain. Uh, My complaining would just be being annoyed of not being able to walk outside for too long without getting a throat ache or Mm -hmm. having my eyes hurt. But uh, yeah, it's it's 
tragic and serious. And hopefully, you know, there are a lot of great people doing a lot of good work on it. So, but I've been very safe. I've been very, very safe, very lucky to be very safe this entire time. Well, good. We've certainly been thinking about you. And uh, that's why I came to Seattle, just head north, because you never know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, uh, what else is, I mean, is there anything else opening up this weekend that I'm going to miss? The disaster artist is, is kind of hit a wider release. So it's kind of spreading out everywhere. And I think, um, the, I can't uh, wait to see Gu- it. Guillermo del Toro's also is, yeah. Uh, oh, shape of the shape water. Water. Yeah. yeah. Hitting a little wider release this weekend also. I, I don't think any, any major uh, new releases are hitting this weekend, though, you, is there? You don't sound very excited about either one of those. Just in your voice. You're not emoting no. excitement. I, I am excited about both. Still, I'm excited not selling can't, it. You, can't you not, hear it in my not, voice? No. I am excited about you, both. You are not selling what, it. Can't you hear it in my voice? I am excited. I am excited. I'm a robot. On this show, one job. <laughs> I did see, I saw Lady Bird. I was able to see Lady <gasps> oh, Bird. Oh, good. Yes. Have we talked yes. about that? Already, uh, or no? well, Steve, Steve I, I has did. a lot. I, I did. I okay. want to hear what Tommy says. Uh, I really loved it. Yay! Yeah, I really yes. loved it. You sound uh, excited when you say "yay" there, Steve. I know. I am. <laughs> yay! Yay! No, I'm, and that I. Was think great I think you're all robots. Yeah, no, I yeah. loved it, and I kept because it was kind of a little bit potentially in Los Angeles overhyped. Of this is the this is the big new movie, and I saw it, and it's just so such a small, perfect, great movie. And the thing that I really appreciated the most is that it didn't accidentally take itself too seriously. It's very serious. It has real pathos, pathos. It has real drama, but at times when it could sort of accidentally get up its own a word. And just sort of like make that go on and on during like the second act to third, yeah. you know, long night of the soul. It doesn't. It makes it just very sweet. And it was funnier than I thought it would be. I was really blown away by how much I enjoyed the movie. I loved it. Awesome. I have to see it. I don't know when I'm going to finally get to. I might have to sneak out one of these uh, evenings late after, late after the kids go to bed to go see that just, one. Just, yeah. Dr- dope him up on drugs and then you know knock him out for the night and head out <laughs> see the movie it's playing I'm, the hotel advice, I'm parental advice from steve <laughs> that's right little <laughs> nyquil for them and then you head out you know andy if you just rub a little bourbon on their gums while they're sleeping that's right that helps too <laughs> yeah it's or, a winner or it's when a winner. they're awake <laughs> When they're awake, <laughs> they lick it off. They're like, "This yeah. tastes like my uncle." You know, and you uh, just keep where that's you right. Are. Yeah, because because Andy, a good parent will protect their children from a disturbing movie. A bad parent willingly takes their kids to those disturbing <laughs> movies. Oh, it seems like there's some huh. there's a existing yeah. problem Somebody. happening. Somebody's real proud of his memory, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Real proud. I don't know. You'll you'll see when those therapy bills start coming in in a few years. Okay, let's, and then uh, my dad took me to a movie, and there was there was a church, and there were people being killed by a British guy. What he put in that guy's mouth before his head exploded? Oh, you took your kids to see the Hateful Eight. I get it. <laughs> Are you telling me you don't actually know this story? It's Steve's favorite. Tommy, you were on you were on that episode. 
<laughs> the Kingsman, the first Kingsman movie. Oh, the Kingsman with the the heads exploding. <laughs> yes. Uh, Parade. Oh, I apologize. Right. Yes, the, the final, uh, final last moment. All right, yes. all right. Let's oh, let's talk film, about yes. uh, let's talk about trailers, can we? <laughs> let's I, look I, at yes, a clip I, of that last <laughs> uh, element from Kingsman. This is this is a close up on Pete's daughter as they're watching <laughs> that last scene in Kingsman. Uh, let's talk about trailers, and I think the A twenty four rule has kicked in. Absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. Gotta love it. So this film is uh, it's kind of a. Uh, a documentary I'd like to talk to you guys about. It's this documentary about the podcast here and <laughs> and the importance that Pete plays in my life. What? Is <laughs> the new new film called Lean on Pete. <laughs> Where is this joke going? <laughs> <laughs> Your name's in the title. Oh, I get Come it. On, oh, I get it now. Pete. It just took me a minute. Oh, my goodness. Yes, no, uh, A24, uh, Lean on Pete. So this is the new film directed by Andrew Haig. That looks really touching and sweet for an A24 film. It's it's not like uh, a lot of the darker films that they run. This is a, a little lighter. Although I understand it's quite a devastating film, actually, from what I've uh, read about it. It's pretty... Uh, you know, there's just a lot of kind of heartbreak and realism and stuff in it. But basically, it's about this this teen boy uh, doesn't really. It looks like he doesn't really have a mother. His father is kind of a, a bum, and he gets a summer job working for this horse trainer played by Steve Buscemi, and befriends this 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 old racehorse, Lean on Pete. And uh, it's kind of like this this boy and his horse story. He falls, uh, kind of becomes great friends with this horse. The horse becomes friends with him. Uh, the horse wins a race or two, but then all of a sudden he's too old and he kind of is fading and they're going to sell him and and kill him. And that's basically like the end of it. And so so this boy, uh, played by Charlie Plummer, who, um, what is the um, uh, uh, the thing that he's in right now? It's uh, I can't remember, but he he plays the boy and he is um, oh all the money in the world. That's right. He's the young boy who gets kidnapped in uh, that in that movie. He plays John Paul Getty the third in all the money in the world. Um, and he takes the horse and goes on the lamb with it. He runs uh, and tries to make his way away to save the horse. And that's pretty much the story. It looks very sweet. And inevitably, it's going to be heartbreaking. And I'm going to probably love it. So uh, lean on Pete. That's my pick. So what do you guys think? I didn't know A24 was distributing Disney movies until I saw that it was rated R at the end. I was really surprised uh, by this movie because, yeah, it seemed like that, you know, sort of family drama of, you know, sort of the the kid that doesn't have a family bonding with an animal and going on the road and having adventures. But I can tell this has a much darker tone to it. It's not clear what happens after he gets on the road, but I'm assuming there's some sort of high stakes, tense, you know, suspenseful, you know, drama there. Cause there's gotta be some, you know, some thrill to, you know, is he going to lose the horse? What's going to happen? His life's in danger. Uh, but yeah, I, I was really intrigued by this because I, it looked like it was one thing, but then, yeah, it definitely has some darker tones. And then with the R rating, I'm expecting maybe a little bit more into the the character piece, the relationship with his parents and, and everything that's going on there of, of the sort of trauma in his life being a major part of this. So I'm, I'm intrigued by this one. It looks interesting. I'm also interested. I, I mean, anything that A24 or Magnolia Pictures puts out, I'm all 
automatically interested in. Um, the R rating makes me nervous because I'm also such a child about animals being hurt. Mm-hmm. As we remember from my inability to correctly <laughs> uh, review the apes on top of the earth. What was that called? Planet of the Apes? <laughs> Planet of the apes. I think that was Whatever. it. A- apes Ape. on top of the earth. Ape. <laughs> apes yeah, on horses. Think, yeah, apes on horses and some of them die. Like I think that most of my review was like, well, I'm just sad. And I don't enjoy this. So I'm worried about some of that. And I also weirdly in a sidebar have trouble um, identifying or feeling excited about horses. So apes are okay, but horses you don't. Weird, right? Hold on. (laughs) I'm just hearing myself talk. This is very exciting. Um, It's exciting to hear myself in the earphones. Uh, What I mean is that, uh, yeah, I I would be willing and interested to see the movie. Weirdly, the fact that it is an R movie makes me nervous, but does make me more interested because it makes it seem like it's less of a Hallmark or, as Steve said, a Disney movie. Because uh, it has yeah, all of the trappings of that. And I wouldn't want to bother with that. But this seems like an interesting possibility. I really feel like we need to yeah. uncover your problem with horses. I, I saw War Horse. Okay. I didn't see the movie. I saw War Horse, the <laughs> theater piece. And I think you okay, actually saw just, the War Horse. Let's just get into it real quick. I was unimpressed. I didn't see the actual <laughs> War Horse. Yeah. I saw War Horse, the actual theater piece, and most of the time, initially I was like, wow, that fake horse looks kind of real, and that's interesting. And then most of the time, I felt like there was a whole lot of people, I don't know if any of our listeners have seen the actual theater piece, there's a bunch of people that die and are caught in barbed wire and soldiers and stuff. And everyone is like, but what about the war horse? (laughs) And I remember being like, who cares about the horse? There are people here. Did anyone? Is this relatable at all? Thanks, Vodka. I'm going to keep going. The point being that there was like a, a girl in the show loses her parents. And then she comes out and she's like, but what about the war horse? And I remember getting very angry and saying, I don't care about this stupid horse. There are humans involved. And that's how it goes. Okay. So uh, your problem with horses is all wrapped up in war horse, which the theater piece, which noted has no actual horse in it. Pete, I can't remember the last five minutes of things that I've said. I just want to... I'm, I'm going to stop pressing the issue here, but but I feel like you and I are going to we're going to have to leave this book open and come back to it okay. another time. Yeah, this horse thing is going to plague me. It's weird horses. I don't care about horses as much unless they're being. But I'm watching Godless on Netflix, which is outstanding, and I don't like people that are mean to horses. I might not have <laughs> anything to stand on. Yeah, you're rooted in quicksand. Nothing. You're. You're gonna need to really, yeah, write out all of the time codes. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of this should be this taken is, out. This is gold. Yeah, this is yeah. podcast no. gold. 
I, I actually, I think this uh, I, this movie makes me really nervous. It's A24, and it's rated R, and who knows what that means. It feels like they were trying to present us with a uh, fun, happy movie like the other horse movies we've talked about on this show, and I think they're about to betray me, and that makes me hate them a little bit. So we'll see. I know you're going to love it, because it turns out that there is actually uh, a, a sand demon on the track somewhere, and the horse is going to be running, and it'll be a whole thing they'll be sucked down and ripped apart and uh the it'll all take place in a cabin in the woods and i'm i'm not down with that wow um i feel like Wait, the trailer, I, the trailer I, is lies have i gone down in history as being someone who hates horses and wants them to be killed because that is not right because that is the only reason that i can't rewatch no, the never-ending story i already changed gears i was now responding to andy <laughs> okay i just assume everything's well, about me i apologize podcast well i'll gold i'll just i'll just end it on this it does say that the the quote about the author willie vlauten who wrote the book that it's based on says that he's created something special that will make you shudder weep rage and wonder at how such things happen and do and how some individuals such as charlie can suffer them absorb the grief and somehow survive so <laughs> there you go it's gonna be rough a, nope, it's gonna be a tough one brutal. and i can't wait uh, it's going to be opening here in the U.S. March 30th. Before that, we'll open February 16th in the U.K. Otherwise, it's had its run in festivals. Uh, may still have some other festivals, but uh, nothing's marked down. But that's all for release dates right now. Lean on Pete, folks. And keeps getting shot. And he's like, come on! That's right. He's buried alive, and then he comes out again. And then he goes on and revenants up and then comes back. And we know how that ends. Yeah. Yeah. And then Uh he does that one. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Tommy, your film, uh, let me help you out here. Your film is called You Were Never Really Here from director Lynn Ramsey, uh, based on the book by Jonathan Ames. Exactly. Uh, She also wrote the adaptation. Uh, It stars Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, and he has a rockin' beard. He does have a rockin' beard. Whoa. Beard's very in. And also, ever since she directed uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin, I've always, I've been very, I mean, I know that was her last one before this, but she is a, an amazing director. And I loved that movie so much. And this movie seems incredibly, potentially brutal and it actually reminds me about a film that I won't mention right now, but I'll bring up later when we start listing things, but about a sort of either a revenge or a one person out to do the best that they can kind of vendetta against whatever it takes. Uh, it's a very strong trailer. I love the trailer. Uh, and it seems like something that I would really like to see while also maybe covering my hands at times because of how brutal it is. Yeah, it's crazy. It it the the trailer, I, I don't know, it looks to me it, one of the things I think that it, it does really well and I think John uh, Joaquin Phoenix does really well is uh like play the role of the the brute, the thug but not looking like the brute or the thug. Uh and and that means every act of violence that comes out of him is shocking, every single one in the trailer. It's amazing. Yes. That's a great thing. That's a great thing to say because he could also just sort of yeah. be a weird hippie like he was in um what was the uh, I'm sorry, the latest the last movie, not the latest, but the last movie by Paul Thomas Anderson starring Inherent Vice. 
inherent vice. That kind of sort of, hey, I have a beard, hey, wavy gravy kind of nonsense guy. He seems to have that same kind of possibility, but then for him to just be like, yep, and now I have a hammer, and I just bought it at Lowe's, and I'm doing this stuff, seems kind of thrilling. And I know that it won a lot of awards from film festivals. (laughs) So that's cool. So that also means that I'm smart. Well, I agree. Joaquin Phoenix is great it. in the trailer. Uh, it looks like it's got just a, an intensity to it about that. That I am excited just watching yeah. the trailer. How intense it is! I actually uh, have to plead uh, guilty. I've never seen anything that Lynn, Ra- Lynn Ramsey has done. I haven't seen what we need to talk about Kevin or Ratcatcher, Morvan Caller. Oh. I am a complete blank. So. Um, I'm going to need to start uh, catching up on some of her films, though, because this one really looks interesting. The cool thing is she is very much a humanist and a naturalist, but she also very much has a style. Uh, what we, we need to talk about, Kevin, really has... It's a style that doesn't uh, uh, suffocate the film, that you think that she's trying to be an auteur or anything like that, but it really... You feel the film, and it's very, very exciting to see. So I'm very excited for cool. you to see it. And for yeah, me to I see was it. Yeah. I was confused because by the title, I thought this was a sequel to his uh, earlier film, I'm Still Here. And this is, you were never really here. So I was confused if this was a companion piece, but then I watched the trailer and was just blown away. <laughs> this does not look like that. Not at all. This looks like a really, really compelling thriller. I'm glad Tommy picked this trailer, uh, but I'm in the same boat as Andy. I haven't seen any of of her films, but based on this trailer and and things that I've heard about, you know, we need to talk about Kevin, uh, something I'm looking forward to visiting her, her work. And definitely this is one I'm eager to see on the big screen. I highly recommend we need to talk about Kevin. I haven't seen it either. I can't believe it. It it looks I feel like a, it's really extraordinary. Like a crazed version of the bad seed. Is that kind of what I'm getting out of it? Maybe Lynn Ramsey is a director we should look at for a, oh, a Andy. It's, a, it's just yeah, it's a very it's a very beautiful made film. It's not like indie, like crazy stylistic all over the place, but it's just a beautiful, beautiful film. I love that film. Looks like it opens April sixth. Oh. Thank for you. anyone who wants to know. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. Thank I you. do, because I want to go see it. Okay. And for the record, I just did great. <laughs> <laughs> I've been having some trouble tonight, and I did great. <laughs> Pat on the back. Pat on the back, Tommy. All right, Yay, Steve. Tommy. Okay. Thanks, me. <laughs> so, to me, this trailer was like the perfect follow-up to your Star Trek series. Uh, this is Please Stand By, which is coming out in January of 2018, which I know is does not bode well for this film, but this is uh, Dakota Fanning as a uh, young autistic woman who runs away from her caregiver in an attempt to submit her manuscript to a writing competition. And she is a huge Star Trek fan. So there's a lot of Star Trek uh, humor in this. I think we've got Pat Oswalt in here and it looks like it's intercut with scenes between her story and I, what I imagine is her vision of her story that she's written. Uh, so to me, sort of a, a small little indie film that's probably going to fall by the wayside, something that 
I'm throwing in here because I know that then hopefully JJ and I can leverage it for a future trailer rewind because I don't know how <laughs> wide of release this is going to get. But to me, it looks really, really interesting. You've got uh, Dakota Fanning and, you, and Tony Collette, Alice Eve as some Star Trek stunt casting, and Marla Gibbs from The Jeffersons. Wow. Very, wow. Interest, very interesting cast in this one. So here's the thing. This trailer started... <laughs> And, and I saw the the thumbnail that uh, that came with it. I'm like, oh, I think we've talked about this trailer before um, because is the 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 movie about uh, fanning and the like the aliens and stuff. And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute, it's totally different. That was How to Talk at Girls at Parties, where Dakota's sister Elle Fanning plays like an alien with Nicole Kidman, and, was, and so it totally threw me when I first started watching this because that's what I was expecting. Um, but no, this is actually a totally different story, and it looks really interesting. And I think Dakota Fanning um, captures a great presence as the character in this trailer. And um, it's really kind of haunting just from the trailer just to see what she's bringing to the table here. So I'm really excited about this one. I hadn't heard anything about it. So, yeah. I, uh, this, this is the, I, I'm legitimately excited about Dakota Fanning in this movie. And she's done a lot of stuff and not a lot of stuff that I have been legitimately excited about. She, she looks like she is, she brings funny and damaged. And, uh, you know, that's always a, a fun thing to see how, how, you know, these artists portray uh, damage like that. And so I'm, I can't wait uh, to see it. I think this is one that's really going to push all my buttons. Well, Ben Lewin, the director, did the sessions also, which had a great pairing of characters who were dealing with damage, and it all was so realistic. Mm -hmm. I really loved the characters in that film. So I get that sense here, too. He's uh, Michael um, uh, Michael Golomko uh, is a... Uh, he's the writer, and he's a, a regular uh, series writer on Grimm, which is a local Portland uh, show, at least uh, it was not anymore i don't think i think it was canceled anyway uh and but it was it's a good show and it's another one of those shows that actually you know writes well about metaphor of of some of the similar themes so um i'm i'm looking forward to it i think it looks great and the star trek stuff come on exactly Okay, my turn. And the trailer, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, when I heard Tommy was available to do the show tonight, uh, I got really excited to pick Alita Battle Angel, which as we record this only dropped, I think, like eight hours ago. This is the new film from writer Oof. James Cameron. <laughs> Uh, and Oof. and Lita Calagridis and uh, director Robert Rodriguez. It is an action-packed story of one young woman's journey to discover the truth of who she is and her fight to change the world, according to IMDb. Uh, really, it is the live-action, uh, we'll say roughly live-action take on Battle Angel Alita, uh, the um, uh, Japanese uh, manga um, known there as Ganmu literally gun dream i don't know much about battle angel alita but i i do think it is the the imagery is quite stunning and uh i was very curious to see the wide-eyed uh and lovely take on alita in this trailer uh what did you guys think i've been waiting for this forever <laughs> seriously because oh because i it was like i want to say 
15 years ago, he was he was developing this at the same time as Avatar, and it was a matter of... Oh, James Cameron James Cameron was. was. Yeah. yeah, he was going to direct, you know, and he had both of these going, and it was a matter of technology and what was going to fit best. And so I had heard both of these things, and I knew that this was based on pre-existing material. So I thought, okay, that'll be interesting because... Yeah, you know, people have issues with some of Cameron's writing and scripts and stories being derivative. So I thought, oh, this will be really interesting. He's pulling something from source material. Hopefully he won't stray too much from it. And then it got shelved. And then it was Avatar came out. And then it was like, well, Avatar is going to be a trilogy. And I thought, oh, did this project just get buried? So I was thrilled to see it coming back to life and to have Robert Rodriguez attached to it uh, to know that he can execute, you know, a vision really well and has shown that he's really adept at merging live action and CG and doing it, I think, very effectively. It just seems like such a huge budget project for Robert Rodriguez. Like that really throws me like that threw me more than anything else, seeing his name attached to this as the director. Cause I'm like, I, I, I can't picture him directing a, a, J, a James Cameron size budget project. It just yeah. doesn't work in my brain. Um, so that I'm really curious about that partnership anyway, how did, uh, Rodriguez and Cameron end up kind of coming together to, uh, to work on this project together? Very peculiar, but, uh, it piques my curiosity. I've got to say though, like the big manga eyes in like a CG realistic person just freaks the hell out of me. And I do not <laughs> like that look at all. I just, I'm not a fan. So I'm, I'm curious to see how the whole film strikes me when I finally see it. I and and we should say just just because uh, I, we should say the cast is, uh, you know, it's a it's a Cameron budgeted cast. Jen- Jennifer Connelly, Isaac Gonzalez, who is baby and or a darling and baby driver. Uh, Rosa Salazar plays Alita. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez, Christoph Waltz, Jackie Earl Haley, Jeff A. Mahershala uh, Ali. Uh, it's it's a it's a, a nice cast. I mean, they, they they've got good people in it, um, but it, this is sort of. <laughs> One of those movies where if you watch the trailer, it might look sort of fine, but if you pause it, it looks ridiculous. Any individual still frame yes. looks just ridiculous. Yep. Tommy? Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yes, no. I'm. This movie has, or that trailer had almost nothing for me to hang on to. <laughs> as far as like, this is this is something that I'd be interested in. Um. Also, uh, with Robert Rodriguez being the, as Andy said, with him giving being given such a huge budget, I don't see Robert Rodriguez being a detail person. No, he's not at all. Yeah, at times, I'm. And part of this is from some work that I've been uh, sideways involved with him before, but I I don't think that he has the kind of um, necessary amount of detail or want to get things right kind of stuff. And so I think that he would, I mean, yeah, the the eyes are insane. <laughs> and I just don't think that there will be enough attention to real character development or real realizing why that kind of a strong decision will be made will be worth it for me. I'll see it if 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 people that I care about see it and trust, and I mean that all, from all of you. If you guys see it and you love it, I'll give it a try. But a manga, b Robert Rodriguez, <laughs> c weird eyes, 
this D, what are we on? Weird nonsense plot. Like it's not <laughs> it's not necessarily for me, so I don't feel comfortable saying I don't think it'll be good, but I know that it's not in my alley. It's a funny thing about Robert Rodriguez. I think when he's at his very best, and I, I go back to like the Spy Kids, early Spy Kids movies, right? Where uh, when he's at his best, like, I, I, you know, that is a movie that really strikes the chords for my kids. You know what I mean? Like they, that had, that hit them at a certain age sure. where it, it was just full of all heart. And it was, it was messy and chaotic and, uh, and, and it, it met the right, it met sort of the right people at the right time. And so I wonder, like, I really don't know. I legitimately don't know who this who this movie is for uh, with James Cameron, you know, writing it and Robert Rodriguez directing it. Like, I can't figure it out. It's a it's a mystery box. So there's neither of those people are good at details. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like, no one looks at, no one rewatches Titanic and is like, oh my God, how great the script was. <laughs> right. I don't think, no, right? Exactly. No, exactly. No, I mean, no both one, of no them, here. but I, I, I would think that one of them would want to be more the script guy and one of them would be more the visualist. Yeah. Instead, we have visualist on visualist yeah. and we'll see. We'll see. It yeah. might end up accidentally being sort of a, a really expensive music video. Yeah, but if it's well, I still yeah. love Desperado. That movie just it was so much from from beginning to end. So yeah, Rodriguez he can execute on some things sometimes better than others. But I I think that this has you know a script that's there that we know Cameron can deliver an entertaining script. So I know there's that, Absolutely. and then you know with what yes. Rodriguez can bring to the efficiency and just fun to that, I'm I'm looking forward to it. So. Now, it's crazy though. Looking looking yeah. through his projects, yeah. Sin City, yeah. which also was another graphic yeah. novel adaptation. Yeah. Right. So I mean, maybe he's got that going for it here. True, but that was his biggest budget that I can see, and that was yeah. forty million dollars that he spent. Yeah, this film was two hundred million dollars. Um, oh my you know, it's god, like, I, I, that worries wow. me. Wow, yeah. I just like, what is Robert Rodriguez doing with that much money? I just don't know if he can handle making a quality project. It's an enormous leap. Well, what was Andy, as long as you're in there, what is the budget for Machete Kills in Space? Is that comparable? (laughs) Machete Kills, I have as uh, So you don't don't have Machete Kills in Space? That's a thing. So that's only just not a, Are you for, it, not, it, for real? That, machete kills in space. Johnny Quest, Ugly Dolls, uh, all of those are in the the top four with Alita: Battle Angel in terms of of you know some state of production announcement production uh, uh, no, for it's, it's Rodriguez's too, director. Too early to so, get. It's too I, early it, to get the numbers I, for those new movies. Right, of course, but uh, you know, you like it. Just one of these things is not like the others. You know what I mean? Like exactly. how did how did this happen? Uh, and and you wonder. I like you. Yeah, don't want to be too much of a prognosticator here, but come on. Like, this is one of those where you sort of feel like he's going to say, yeah, maybe that movie was not the kind of movie I like to make once we get to the other side of it. You just feel those words coming out of that mouth. You know what I mean? So uh, this movie opens uh, July 19th in Argentina. Uh, We'll get it July 20th, the next very day in the USA. Uh, that's Alita Battle Angel. We're uh, only only 48 minutes in, gents. I think we should do the list. <laughs> I think we'd better. Yeah. I uh, I was not does it here. Usually, does it usually go this long? It does not. <laughs> this is my first time. I'm very excited. <laughs> uh, this uh, this week, I was not here for the last uh, last week. Who wants to set up the list for this week? 
So this week, uh, we are talking about the uh, the beginning of the Millennium Trilogy, the, the Swedish uh, film series based on Stieg Larsson's novels. We talked about The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And uh, Steve and I thought it'd be fun to talk about um, great foreign films that were remade poorly uh, because Americans feel the need to do everything themselves and make it, quote, better. Quote mm. better. There's a little, a little, oh. a little bit of judgmentalism. I wonder what you mean there, by yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. Go. So how do you want to? Uh, how do you, how do you want to do it? Who do you want to go first? What do you want to do? Uh, I did trailers first, so why don't I go uh, last? Uh, and you did trailers last, Pete. So why don't you go first? Oh. We'll do Pete, Tommy, Steve, me. All yeah. right. Um, well, okay. So my first uh, is a, a movie that I my memory of it was was really good, and then I saw it again and realized I uh, I I I don't like this movie. I didn't even know the first time I saw it that it was a remake of Vim Vender's 1987 Wings of Desire. I'm talking Damn about no. City of <laughs> Angels. City of Angels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. And and uh, as a bonus, I think I I think it would have been fairly easy for me to do all three of my picks. I didn't do this, but all three of my picks with Nicolas Cage in them. Uh, <laughs> I think that would be entirely possible. <laughs> uh, City of Angels is if you if you're not a fan of the Goo Goo Dolls, it's a it's a straight up terrible movie. And I I feel like I there are people who are are going to really respond. Uh, uh, negatively to me saying that, but I, you should go watch it again, and and then you'll see uh, it's it's not a not a good movie. So, City of Angels, uh, yeah, no. yeah, Vim yeah, Benders no. is the oh. Wings of Desire is brilliant. The Alanis Morissette song in that film is one of my favorite songs of all time, though. Uninvited, uninvited, it's a great song. <laughs> That's not how it sounds. Wow, yeah. That's not I, how it sounds. But here's how it goes. No, it's okay. You're on a it's, a, it's okay. It's okay. No, I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. No, it, that's a great... That's the only thing that I remember from that film, is that song is that's, an amazing song. That's probably song. better for you. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Uh, All right, Tommy. Tommy. What's first on your list? Uh, my first uh, choice is actually Old Boy. Uh, it's by a South Korean director uh, named Chan Wook Park. Uh, he's very well known. Um, and this is actually a very legendary film. It's probably the one of the most decorated and loved action slash revenge films in South Korean film history. Um, it has to do with a guy getting uh sort of trapped in a room and then not knowing what came out of it uh what came before and then he gets freed and he has to figure out exactly what had happened to him in all of the time that he had forgotten uh it's a it's a fantastic movie it has one of the very best non-cutting all one take claustrophobic action scenes of all time down one hallway. Uh, and I loved it. Unfortunately, it was remade by Spike Lee in 2013. And while he did, while Spike did make some good changes, he really did do a really good change to the very ending of it. 
um, I thought it was just sort of why would you ever remake such an amazing movie like this? It kept the brutal violence, but it lost a lot of the pathos. And uh, that would be my first choice. I, you know, I haven't seen the, uh, I haven't seen the remake, the Spike Lee. Don't, one. don't really. Wasn't that the one where I mean that was really in 2013? That's where Brolin started bulking up, right? Now he's he's a monster. Now he's a big purple monster. Yeah. Oh wait. And Brolin is great in it. It's not his fault. And again, the the original ending is very steeped in Eastern sort of mysticism. Actually, Spike Lee's ending is much more satisfying, but everything going through that has a lot of trouble. I don't remember the ending of his version. I just remember I hated everything so much. Uh, maybe I just, by the time the ending happened, I just was ready to walk out of the theater. <laughs> I don't remember what happened. <laughs> it's in the original. The mysticism is that he's just sort of able to be um, hypnotized to forget everything that has been done. Okay. He and his daughter are being able to guess. And right. in the Spike Lee version, he is not hypnotized because that's not a thing in America. Instead, he's like, okay, I've created the world's most worst thing ever. And he goes back to live in the hotel. Uh oh, okay. Uh-huh. Which is actually a really good, better ending for an American sensibility. He just is like, okay, I'm just going to live in this hotel forever. Interesting. Steve? Somebody took one of mine, so I'm, I'm digging in. <laughs> so I'll, I'll get one of these out of the way. So in 1990, I walked into a movie theater and saw this weird French film just because it got good reviews. The Femme Nikita was blown away, blown away by that oh. film. And then a couple of years later, John Badham decides to make, remake it with Bridget Fonda. And I thought, okay, this, this, this can't be too bad, right? Oh, point of no return. No point in seeing this movie. It was horrible. Took what what I thought was a great film and just utterly turned it into a piece of Americanized garbage. It just had none of the tension and I just yes. That that that's one that still to this day makes me angry. <laughs> still so upset. Yeah, I don't remember much good about that one. It was uh I it wasn't Nikita. I, I feel like it's one of those ones where I feel like I I can't really remember much about it. But uh, you know, the only thing I really remember is her jumping into the into the like the laundry chute as the explosion goes off or whatever. That's like all I right. have in my head. But I just remember it wasn't that great. Exactly. Um, my my first choice is actually a foreign film that happens to also be in English. Um, it's a British film from 2007 uh, called Death at a Funeral directed oh. by Frank Oz. <laughs> and it's a fantastic and hilarious Fancy. film about this family uh, trying to deal with all sorts of problems when they go to um, the, the the head of the family's uh, uh, funeral, the father's funeral. Brilliant, brilliant comedy. Uh, just dark, witty, all sorts of fantastic stuff happening. Alan Tudyk's in it. Uh, my particular favorite is, uh, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. Maybe, probably Peter Dinklage is probably my favorite because, uh, he ends up, mm. uh, he's just kind of this mysterious stranger who shows up at the funeral that turns out to be, uh, I, I won't spoil it, but it's just, it's really, really brilliant. And then for whatever reason, three years later, 
Neil Labute decided to remake it uh, with an all African American cast, um, and I guess that was the the twist is making it American, but it's it's now African American, and it's just like why it it. You know, I don't know. It just was one of those things where I, I didn't understand what Neil Labute was trying to do here. He really didn't do anything new to the story uh, other than just change everybody's skin color. And it just, it was really flat. Uh, Peter Dinklage is still in the remake. And uh, it was nice to see him return in his same role. But I don't know. It was just one of those remakes that I just shook my head. It's like, why does this even exist? So that that's it for me. My first choice, Death at a Funeral. Neil Abute. It's a funny. That was a funny movie because it it was so much like, like they had so many great character people in that movie that oh yeah that they couldn't let like they, or they didn't let do their thing the thing that they're really good at Kevin Hart Martin Lawrence like these guys are are enormously funny individuals Chris, and Chris Rock Chris yeah. Rock Chris right Rock. I mean, it, it was a great cast it's great it's that was really sad that was a very Tracy yeah. Morgan. Is it my turn again already? What's next for you? Yeah, what's next for you, Pete? Uh, okay, so um, uh, uh, I, I, I almost feels like I'm throwing this away. It's it's like too easy, um, but it, it is, uh, of of course, uh, Roland Emmerich's Godzilla 1998. Uh, I <laughs> <laughs> that was on my list. That's great. It's it great. Uh, this was this was not a. Uh, not a good movie, and it's one of those movies that I really wanted to have more fun with because I, you know, Matthew Broderick and Jean Reno, and I, it, they're people that I really like. Uh, the problem is, what I didn't know when I walked into the movie is just how much I would hate Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich when I walked out of it. Uh, I, I feel like <laughs> they just, they took, they just made they took a ridiculous concept that so many people have made such a great cultural statement on technology and war and use this monster and this dude in a suit and they made it they they just sucked all the soul out of it and it it's uh uh it was it was not not a good thing so that made me sad don't ever go look at it again <laughs> can i can i add to that sure. because that was one of my choices <laughs> it's so 1998 terrible in that the only two things that I actually remember about the movie is number one, the other dinosaur bad creatures racing down the hallway and slipping on bubble gum. <laughs> like, like people are running away from creatures and they slip on bubble gum because that's how that happens. And then also, do you remember the big song from that movie? This was back in the days when we would have rap singers uh, make songs. For these kind of movies, do you remember what it was? Does anyone have? Any- I totally don't remember. Was it? I know that uh, it was that, that era, but oh man, it was like a it was a rap song. Is uh, that what you're saying? It it was rap in that it was based. The whole thing was Led Zeppelin's Cashmere guitar riff uh-huh. over and over and over again. Oh. And the big thing that made that made it legit is that Jimmy Page actually like pretended to play oh the guitar during it that was with does with, this sound with familiar Puff at Daddy? all uh, yes. yes oh my that's god it. yeah yeah it was called it was called come with me and that was the that was back when we and like if you'd watch the music video uh you would see him sort of be doing vague rap things and then uh like a like a monster would be in the mirror and he'd be like, Oh no. And then he would just sort of 
rap sing talk this song. It was called Come With Me. Puff Daddy. Wow. Well, that sounds just wow. just terrible. So yeah, that was so that's definitely uh, that's definitely number two on my list. Tommy, next for you. Um, mine would be. Let's see, the vanishing. Ooh, it's it's go. kind of it's a big it's a big punch to Hollywood. Uh, but the vanishing originally was uh, the director was George. Uh, Sluzer, I believe. Uh, either way, it was in 1988. Uh, he made a film about a a guy whose wife disappears, and he tries to find her, and he goes through exactly what she needs to experience. And the original film has one of the greatest, most downbeat, horrible, and great endings in my lifetime that I've ever seen. And in 1993, Hollywood was like, hey, let's do this. And they had Jeff Bridges, Kiefer Sutherland played the bad guy. Sandra Bullock was in it, I think. It was the same director, which actually really hurts my heart. Uh, They remade the exact same film. Kiefer Sutherland really hammed it up. Uh, But it was the epitome of Hollywood-ising and making things gross of like, oh, people don't want a bad ending. I won't necessarily spoil the ending for either film, uh, but it was the idea that The Vanishing had one of the most iconic endings ever for a thriller, and then Hollywood came in and redid it with the same director and just sort of made it happy. And it's just so upsetting and what the hell was jeff bridges doing in that film he like his character like i don't know whatever uh, affectation he took on for his character but it was was weird it was weird yeah oh man good choice thank you i did it (laughs) you did yeah you you stole one of mine pete stole one tommy (laughs) stole one i'm waiting for andy to steal one so i'm going with ghost in the shell which I know I experienced with oh. Andy and JJ uh, earlier this spring, and it was just the most boring, disappointing experience ever. Watching the anime, I I don't I don't know how magic is lost when you're just trying to recreate something, but then they tried to go a step further, and then there became this whole whitewashing issue and things they did with Scarlett Johansson and her character that just. They tried to. They strayed from what 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 worked and ended up making a mess of it. So that's that's my second pick. So if you haven't seen the the Ghost in the Shell with Scarlett Johansson, don't. It will just destroy any memories you have for the original. Just stick with that and know that it's wonderful, and you can live in that world and not need to see it recreated with live actors. Good choice. Yeah, that's great a really choice. Good that was choice. that was on my list. I'm down to alternates because everything that I had on my list has been picked. So <laughs> uh, I just guess I guess it goes to show we all uh, we all hate the same remakes. Um, this one, this is a my next choice is a it's a remake that I I don't know if I can say I I actually fully hate it, but I I don't think I really appreciated it. And based on the original, which I felt much more granted lengthy um, and ponderous. But I feel that it really, in in that particular case, kind of warranted it. 
the remake, I just, I don't know. It was one of those remakes that I was like, eh, I don't know if they really captured what the original had. And this is the 2002 remake of uh, Solaris, the uh, the oh! really interesting film uh, that uh, huh. I'm, I'm going to blank out his name. Uh, Tarkovsky directed in what, like 72, I think? Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's, it's a really interesting, really ponderous, really long sci-fi film that at first I was like, oh my, how long am I going to sit here and stare at these reeds in the water? Like it was really kind of like tedious and and slow and watching the drive through a tunnel at night and all this stuff. But then you, as I got through the whole film, I'm like, this really put me in a place. Like a, a lot of the imagery and everything put me in a place to really appreciate everything going on within the film. The remake that Steven Soderbergh directed, uh, produced by James Cameron, um, I feel like they they latched on to some of the concepts and stuff that uh, that were going on in, in Tarkovsky's film and also the, the novel by Stanislaw Lem. But I just didn't feel like, uh, kind of going to what Tommy said about The Vanishing, I, I feel like it was almost a little Hollywoodized, although they were trying to be ponderous with it. And that's just how it came across to me. And I, I in the end, I just really kind of struggled with it. And I said, you know, if I ever feel like watching either of these again, I'm definitely going back to Tarkovsky's. So that's my next choice, Solaris. That's a, a very interesting choice because that was one that came up on my radar, but I actually would go for the Soderbergh. Oh, interesting. I'm more of a fan of that one. Maybe even just because as, I mean, for such a ponderous or such a broad idea, it might, I wouldn't put it past me to just be like, who are actors that I know? <laughs> you know, and just like, who are actors that I know? And hey, George Clooney, I'll speak, watch that one. Like, I'll be bored and watch the a same pretty language person. Kind of thing. I, I honestly wouldn't put that past me, but if I have that, because I am actually a fan at times of Solaris, and I know that um, frequent uh, collab- collaborator uh, Dash, Darnell Smith, on the podcast is that's one of his movies that he he says he goes to sleep to meaning that's one of his <laughs> movies that he will see all the time over and over and over again you know that's not a great compliment <laughs> i don't know is that not- <laughs> oh that's funny uh okay is it my turn Oh, yeah. Back to you, Pete. Have yeah, we this come around final again? Choice. All right, this is it. All right, my uh, my final choice. Uh, I am actually thrilled to say that you have not picked any of mine, uh, and so wow. this one I I hope uh, I, I takes from one of your lists. The movie that I am talking about, maybe you've seen it. It's a French film uh, from director Gerard Pires, and uh, it, it was from 1998. It's a film called Taxi. Uh, and oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen the new one. Is the problem the the yeah. old one? Have you seen the old one? Everybody's seen the old one. It I'm I sure, have not. I I'm sure Andy that. hasn't because it was written by Luc Besson, and <laughs> we we have a hard line. <laughs> Hard Check. line against that. Uh, it it mm. is, it, you know, it's a it's it's a silly thing. You've seen the story before. There's a, 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 the hip taxi driver is uh, has to work off a, a bad record, and the show he has to show for a loser police inspector on the trailer trail of a German bank robber. Right, that's the the IMDb uh, quick and dirty. But it is it's full of of color and light and frivolity, and it's it is fun. It even passes the IMDb six star 
list. It's a 6.9 on IMDb. It, in fact, was enormously popular. It spawned a couple of sequels. It earned over $200 million in the box office. Like, it was a hugely successful French uh, franchise. And so, what do you do when you have a great uh, French uh, franchise? You remake it with Queen Latifah and Jimmy Fallon. And it's... It's not, not, and it turns out that is not a great recipe uh, for success. This was one of the very first things that Fallon did when he came out of, uh, uh, came out of SNL. And man, I'm, I am so glad he found late night uh, talk show hosting. Uh, because that's this is this is better. Uh, Giselle Bunchen was in it, uh, which I had forgotten, but apparently she was in it. I did not make that connection. Uh, directed by Tim Story uh, and the, adapted by Robert Ben Garant. Uh, don't see the don't see the remake. Oh, Ben Garant. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't know who that is. I don't know. No, actually, directed by Tim Story, according to yeah. Wikipedia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I remembered that, and yeah, that was Jimmy Fallon trying to prove he could carry a comedy movie and, and not doing it. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> well, and and yeah, and Tim Story. I mean, yeah. he ended up behind a, the just oh, yeah. the first two Fantastic Four movies. Oh, it's yeah. tough. It's tough. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. anyhow, all right, Tommy, what's your last choice, buddy? It's up to me. Uh, my last choice is it's a film called. Um, with honors, the remake was made in 1994 with director uh, Alec Kashishian, I believe it's what it's called. It was Joe Pesci and Brendan Fraser. Oh, it. yeah. Um, it had to do with uh, Joe Pesci starred as a, uh, a Harvard bum, is what he said. Um, and the most important thing about this film is that it wasn't a remake. Um, this was the first film that someone had made and it was so terrible that I just want it to be on any kind of list of terrible movies. This was never a foreign film, just with honors, with honors, uh, starring Joe Pesci is a terrible, terrible film. I hate it so much that I just thought I'd sort of uh, put it on this list. That's okay. okay. You're allowed to break the rules because you could say that Thanks. it was a horrible adaptation from a much better idea in somebody's head. Who, who was probably French. Yeah. Yeah, no. At some point, someone someone thought this was a good idea, and it wasn't. With honors, 1994. It's a terrible, terrible film. It's oh, great. All right. So great. So you guys left me in with. In, I'm, damn, we're in a tight spot. Um, I've got one left, and I have to say, it's it's a close call. And it, so there's this is a remake, and the the American version. I won't say it's horrible, but it was probably just unnecessary because I don't know that it, it added much to the original other than, you know, just it's the native language is now English. And so I'm, I'm looking at the, the vampire films, let the right one in and let me in. Um, you know, I, Ooh, I, I they're, they're both, both were, yeah, good. they're both good, but you know, let the original stand. And if you're going to just make it and, and, at least it's not worse, Ooh. but you know, I'm like, I, I would rather have the original. It's like, again, this whole issue of, well, we have to make it for our, we have to make an American version just because we need it in our language. Cause to me, it, it didn't 
add much to it. I think it was it's still a, a great film. Uh, but if you if you enjoyed it, you know, I'm going to encourage you to see the, see the original. Um, so that that's sort of where I am. I'm at the at the tail end of my list. So it's not a bad remake. It's just a I think an unnecessary remake. You know excellent, that they excellent. remade the the Wicker Man, right? Yeah, but I haven't seen those. <laughs> See, I'm yes, sticking with things. Fair I'm, enough. I'm sticking with. Fair th- enough. Yes, I'm sticking with things I've seen. So yes. Fair enough. No, no, me too. Yeah. yeah. That's the challenge I've had is is I'm sticking with ones where I've seen both versions. Right. You know, yeah. it, so it's made it a little more challenging on my list. Um, for my final pick, uh, the the end of our list tonight. Um, as much as I wanted to throw Secret in Their Eyes in here again <laughs> no. because I hated it so much, uh, I feel like I berated it enough on our episode about the uh, the Argentine film, uh, which is so much better. Um, so I'm not going with that one. I'm going with a film that um, it's a classic Kurosawa film that I absolutely love. The remake, I don't remember it being horrible, but I also don't remember it really being great. And in the end, I feel it probably just ended up being unnecessary. I'm talking about Yojimbo from 1961 that was remade in 1996 as Last Man Standing with Bruce Willis. Oh, Bruce Willis! Yeah, directed by Walter Hill. It's 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 one of those movies where I'm like, you know, I don't think the movie was necessarily bad. But Yojimbo is just so stinking good. Why did they need to remake it? Now I will say I did think it was kind of cool that they they brought it into kind of like the uh, the Prohibition 30s uh, with mobsters and stuff. I I feel like they did a, a good job of kind of recreating it in a different time. But in the end, I'm just like, why remake this? Just go back and watch Yojimbo. So Last Man Standing, that's my final uh, pull of my alternates. So there you go. <laughs> nice list. I respect. I respect that pitch. Uh, I respect that pick very much. Uh, that was also one of the ones on my list, except that I have a uh, kind of a weird crush on that film. I actually really like that film. Yeah, and that's one that I'm curious. Like, if I go back and rewatch it, will I like it? It's Walter Hill. It's Bruce Willis. Like, there's a lot of stuff about it, you know, that I think might work. But again, I just like Yojimbo is just so stinking good. I, I don't want totally. people to miss that because they're watching this one. <laughs> and there's an enormous chance that if I rewatch it right now, <laughs> I'd be like, like oh. oh, no, what have I done with my life? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well Fantastic. done. Fantastic. All right. Well, there's the list, guys. So next uh, next week, we're talking about the, the second film in the Millennium Trilogy, The Girl Who Played With Fire. So what are we going to talk about on our list next week? Movies with Mo- fire. Movies about girls actually playing with fire. Oh, The Girl on Fire. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking second films in in series. Uh, yeah, I, I have a I, 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 second <laughs> films in trilogies. That's that's wow, Andy, you're really, <laughs> really reaching, <laughs> I, I, stretching. I know. I really am. I, yeah, I, I try to do that once in a while. Well, you know, Pete, we we were really stuck because we came up with this because the other option was well, we could do movies about hackers, so we could talk about <laughs> hackers. hackers. <laughs> Well, I've already got Poltergeist on my list of girls playing with fire, so you can't have it. See, I haven't seen that one, so what? I don't know what the basic story is about. I'm still what? working my way. I'm in. Basically, I'm in part one of six. I, I've never watched that trilogy, so I'm. I'm oh, just, you're talking about the girl? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, no, no, I'm talking. Yeah, girl on. They do. They start doing reporting on uh, on a sex trade, basically. Oh, sex trade movies. Okay, let's see. There you go. <laughs> 
No. That be a sounds fun like a fun. <laughs> what, about, what about best thugs? Oh, okay. This this is a movie that happens to have a, a giant, pretty, yeah, uh, a giant, a scary, a thug, giant yeah. scary guy who can't feel pain, and he makes for a, a particularly uh, brooding and sinister thug. What do you think? I any I, love? I think that could work. Sure. Big, yeah, yeah. Right, let's do it. Okay. okay. Best sinister thugs. Si- best sinister thugs. All right, that's okay. it. All right. Best. That's our list for next week. Sinister thugs. It's done. It's on. Oh, I can't wait. Fantastic. And and I I'm actually very excited. We did have a mention of the Wicker Man, but the the third film in the Cage horrible foreign film remakes. What was it? Bangkok Dangerous. There you go, Andy. I knew you'd come <laughs> in with that. Yeah. I did have. A, I didn't see it. I just knew it was a horrible <laughs> remake. <laughs> I did have another runner-up, and I didn't pick it because we uh, did it on the show, which was the the original Lady Killers. Uh, I think that's technically British, so we could have uh, could have gotten away with that. What were the Cohen hey, brothers? Death thinking? at a funeral. There yeah, death yeah. at a funeral. There you go. Hey, right. uh, I still I still argue that Tom Hanks gives one of his most fantastic character performances in that film. <laughs> as bad as it is, I love watching him in that film. <laughs> so know, take that. I know, I know you do, Andy. I know you do. Uh, did anyone? Did anyone bring up with honors? <laughs> it's a. It's a very bad movie. Did we? I'm sitting here building the links of the the original film oh. and the remake, and I'm I'm really struggling with finding the original film. Yeah. Tommy, did you want to regroup on that? No. Yeah, you Re- can find okay. it. You can I'll find keep it. Looking. Yeah. I'm just going to put the trailer twice. <laughs> <laughs> uh this was fun uh gents it was uh this was uh, the, the longest saturday matinee we've ever done i wonder how long it will be once i have my way with it uh, about 10 minutes I, I think i sure <laughs> i sure appreciate you guys making way to to do this uh on a, a fine friday night and uh hope that this makes for good sound uh dishwashing podcasting for your Saturday matinee, everybody. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this show. We sure appreciate it. Thank you so much as Patreon subscribers for helping us uh, to do uh, what we do and um, and supporting us that way. Uh, and uh, I, I got nothing else to say. Thanks, guys. Good night. Ciao. We, we did it. Hey, I get to sleep in. <laughs> I know, right? There you go. <laughs> honestly, honestly, the fact that I don't have to be up for a 7.15 because I'm already drunk, that's great. That's a win-win for my stupid lifestyle. Yeah. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, 
or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Today. 